Welcome to the podcast of Ben Kruska, where every Wednesday there's a fresh word of faith and victory for your life. Now, here's Ben Kruska. In your Bible to Acts chapter 6, during Arise and Shine, we had several nights where we talked about uh, characteristics of revival. Tonight, I want to highlight a few more characteristics. We've already discussed a lot of them. But tonight we're going to look at a few more and a few indispensable ones. I actually want to talk about it during the week of the conference, but I didn't get to. So, but uh, tonight I believe this is the right group to speak to these things about. So in Acts chapter 6 we're going to read the whole chapter actually and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll flip to Acts chapter 8. I just want to really show a few things. It says in uh, Acts 6 verse 1, it says, Now in those days... When the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Timon, Parmesan, Nicholas. (laughs) Sorry, I I couldn't resist. He must have been Italian. Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Well, pause there for a minute, because we see in the beginning that in those days, the number of the disciples was multiplying. So the church had been born, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and Peter... They were all filled and they all had fire and they looked like drunk men and they went outside. The whole city had come to see what was happening in that upper room. And Peter starts preaching and 3,000 people get saved. And it's like the church went from 120 to 3,000 in one day. Then the next chapter, Peter and John, they're on the way to, to pray in the temple. And then, um, then they, they, uh, they, do, they, they pray for this lame man. And he gets healed. Then again, you see a whole bunch of people coming around to see what happened. And a miracle happened. And actually, some persecution arose after that miracle. And Peter and John get told, you know, don't speak about the name of Jesus anymore. And uh, they get rebuked. And they go to their own church. And they all pray. The Holy Spirit fills them once again. And there's this great thing happening in the city of Jerusalem. And then you see here in Acts chapter 6 is that the number of disciples was still multiplying. There was this church growth. This whole time the church was growing. There was this dynamic movement happening where there was continual increase of the church, which is really business as usual in the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 that of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. There's no end to the increase of the government of Jesus. So it should all, the normal thing is that it should always be expanding. 
There should always be new souls being saved. There should always be new disciples being raised. There should be continual moving from the left to the right, expanding to the left and to the right. That's normal. What's not normal is to, to have stillstand. You know, to have like stagnancy where there's no growth and there's no life. You know, when there's, when our body is dead, when something is dead, there's no movement. But one of the signs of life is there's movement. Even just breathing. Your body, you can't really breathe without moving. There's movement with life. And it's the same with the, with the body of Christ. It's not an organization. It's an organism. A living being. The body of Christ. And it, there should be movement. There should be, there should be something happening. If there's nothing happening, you're probably in a dead place. Hello. So, but the Holy Spirit brings life. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. We would all be a bunch of dead zombies without the Holy Spirit. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. This afternoon too, we had the altar call and a bunch of people came forward. And this young man stood here to the side. And I'm just praying. As I always do. Lord, seal them now with your blood and by your spirit. Let not one of them be missing. Raise them up to be great mighty men. A woman of God. And this guy just starts shaking like this. Standing there shaking. Like tattoos and like look, didn't look like a, I mean looked like a church guy because we all look whatever. But, but I had never seen him in church before. Let me say it like Shaking like this. And I put my hands on him. Boom. Power of God hits him. That's church as normal. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. We'd be very boring without the Holy Spirit. Like, here's me talking again. Great. <laughs> but he's here. And he's moving. And he brings life. Dynamite power. And he's not just there on Sunday. But he's there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday. And every day he's there to bring that dynamite, dy dynamic to your life. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I will give you power. You shall receive power. That word power is dunamis. It's where we get dynamite from, but we also get our word dynamo from. So the Holy Spirit is explosive power like we see with the rise and shine. It's an explosive week. And like we might see tonight, we don't know what's going to happen. But then it's also the dynamo. It's always, it's always energized. He's always energizing. And it's like not just the moments, but it's every day. Hallelujah. Every day, He's energizing us, strengthening us. Hallelujah. Helping us, giving us wisdom, leading us. Oh, strength for the day, wisdom for the day, anointing for the day, favor for the day. Every day, He's there. And you can lean on Him day by day. So, the church was growing, but as the thing was growing, there's also a need for stronger structure. Where the apostle said, hey, it's not okay for us to leave the word and prayer and ministry, basically, and to go serve tables. They didn't say, we're above that. We're too good for that. No, they didn't say that. They just said, it's not the right thing. It's not in the order of God. There's an order in which things must be done. And if we step out of our order, things get out of order. And when something's out of order, it's not working. So they said, it's not right for us to leave the word of God and prayer and ministry and to serve tables. So let's find some godly men and women who can do this thing. Let's find some people that we can appoint over this. And they looked for a few characteristics. They looked for people of good character, good reputation. They looked for people full of the Holy Spirit and people full of wisdom. So don't be an idiot. 
Be full of the Holy Spirit and have character, integrity. <laughs> and God still today, as things are growing, that's why we have a Bible school. God is still looking for these kinds of people today. Hallelujah. Say that he, he, he's, he's looking for me. He's raising me up. Amen. It's still like, okay, we, the thing is growing. The number of people is multiplying. And we need some people that can be pillars. That can, that can be appointed over certain business, certain areas of the church, certain areas of life. And they can take that corner and say, hallelujah, it's taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. But it's supernatural. And we're going to see this. Because they, were, they had to be full of the Holy Ghost. So as they appointed those seven, actually what happened is when they laid hands on them and prayed, then things started multiplying greatly. Hallelujah. So when people find their spot and people stand in their God-given area, then things can explode even more. But when someone is not in their God-given spot, there's something missing. Everyone must take their place. Tell somebody around you, say, take your place. Occupy till he comes. Tell somebody else, people need you. It says in verse 7, then the word of God spread and a number of the disciples multiplied greatly. So not just multiplication, multiplication but multiplied greatly. Hallelujah. Last year, no, when we were still in the Joop Geesingweg, I think probably two years ago now, my wife said, Ben, I feel that we've seen addition But God's going to give us multiplication. And we had these ministers, uh, Jeremy and Tara Richardson, who was there when they, when they... And Tara, after a service, she came up to us in the office. She said, man, call me crazy, but you've seen some addition, but you're going to see multiplication. And I looked at my wife, and like, oh, you said that two weeks ago, too. Hallelujah. And now, a few months ago, I was with a, a pastor from Amsterdam in my office in Hofdorp. And he, we were praying. He, he wanted to see the building, and he, he's praying. He's an older man of God. Blessing the building. And he's like, man, I feel you've seen addition, but you're going to see multiplication. Hallelujah. Three mighty people of God that have said it. And I'm like, I'm taking it. It's in the bag. When my wife said it, I already took it. But now it's really signed, sealed, and delivered. Hallelujah. And, 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 but, but everyone needs to take their place. Thank God for all the Bible school students and everyone serving here. Everyone taking their place. It's so valuable. So important. Because... That's how the church grows. It's by, if you read Ephesians 4, it's by what the church is built up by what every joint supplies. Every one of us, we're a joint. We're, we're something in the body. We're a member of the body. And we have something to supply. And that's how the thing grows and nourishes and, 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 and gets built up. Then what happened after that? Verse 8. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now remember this. Stephen is not an apostle. Stephen is not a prophet. Stephen is not a pastor. Stephen is not an evangelist. Stephen is not a teacher. He's not a five-fold ministry gift. What is he? He's a deacon. He's a head usher. He's the operations manager. Amen. <laughs> he's the media manager. He's doing something. He, he's... 
He's doing practical church business stuff. Doing great signs and wonders among the people. Ooh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The devil think he can, he thinks he can limit it to the guy holding the mic or the woman holding the mic. But it's not going to be limited in this move of God by a, peop, by a person holding a mic. Is it going to be in the Obertime, in the Tem, in the Metro? Hallelujah. Signs and wonders being done. Glory to God. These signs will follow them that believe. The believers. Thank you, Jesus. Even little kids. We've been talking about it during the Shine all the time. Little kids that will lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Amen. Hallelujah. So Stephen did great signs and wonders among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen. Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Now, we're talking about characteristics of revival. We see here multiplication and great multiplication. And we see here that there's, there's a certain order that is needed to facilitate these things. But then when you see this great multiplication, what actually is a side effect of that is great persecution. Aren't you glad you came tonight? <laughs> great persecution. And it starts here with Stephen. And Stephen, actually all of chapter 7, he's preaching to his government. And the whole time his face is shining like the face of an angel. But still, while he's preaching, they get so hit in their spirit. See, the word of God is like a sword, right? It can cut you deep and you can, you can receive it or resist it. And actually, he tells them, you stiff neck and heart of heart and ears, why do you always resist the Holy Spirit? And they plug up their ears. And they pick up stones and they screaming run at him and they stone him to death. They martyr him. He gets killed. Didn't do anything wrong, just preaching Jesus. But then if we, if we um, go to chapter 8, verse 1. Am I boring you or is this okay? Acts 8, verse 1. It says, now Saul, this was... Of course, later this becomes Paul, but he's still a persecutor of the church. Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. He was totally good with it. Actually, when Stephen was being martyred and stoned, they put all their coats at, at, at Saul's feet. They're like, okay, you hold my coat while I kill this guy. He's like, okay, I'll, take, I'll, be, the coat, I'll be the coat rack. He, was a totally, he totally agreed with it. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. And at that time, a great persecution. We saw in Acts 6, we saw great multiplication. Here you see great, great persecution. Who still wants great multiplication? Come on. <laughs> yeah. 
a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Hold on for a second here. What did Jesus say in Acts 1? He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But now we're seven chapters later and they're still in Jerusalem. They were enjoying their revival so much that they stayed stuck in the same place. But it was never meant to be stuck in one place. It was meant to spread as an holy fleck over the whole world. Hallelujah. You and I, we are a side effect of the persecution. Because if there was never a persecution, it would have stayed in Jerusalem. Somebody said this. Somebody said that the blood of the martyrs waters the seed of the gospel. Those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the, preaching the word. And Philip, also one of those seven, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. After we're done talking about persecution, we'll talk about great joy. Yes. Great multiplication, great persecution, great joy. Yes. And they all mix together. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> you, you, do you know that you can have great joy in the midst of great persecution? Yes. Some people are already experiencing some form of persecution, even in this church. Where family members and friends, they're like, I can't believe you're going to that church. I can't believe you're going there on a Sunday. Why can't you come? Why can't you just stay home? Why can't you party with us anymore? Why can't you, why can't you go to our dead religious church anymore? Why can't you just hang around? Why, don't, why, why do you have to be different? Why can't you just be normal just like us? Because, because there's something on the inside of me that says, I can't stay here anymore. There's a world to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't sit in normal, normal, status quo, I got to move forward with Jesus. Persecution is actually a very normal thing for the believer. In um, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, it says, And everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to have some persecution. It's part of the package. So people say, well, I want all the blessings. But I don't want that. <laughs> I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> no, it's part of the package. I want, you, you, you can have the blessings. You can have the healing. You can have the joy of the Lord. You can have the peace of God. But it comes with persecution. 
It's part of the all-inclusive buffet. <laughs> Persecution is part of it. Some people, they want to, you know, the church has, I think, done this wrong in a way where we've been, we've, we've been in this mode where we want to be pleasing to the world. That if we become pleasing to the world, we can win the world. That if we become acceptable to the world, or maybe we'll never say it like that, but become kind of like the world, then the world will like us. You saw during COVID, so many people said, we've taken years to build a good relationship with our city. So we got to just, you know, go with their flow and shut down and mask up and shut up and not lay hands on the sick. And not preach the gospel. Because we don't want to ruin the relationship we have with the city. If it comes down to displeasing God or displeasing man. Oh, bye-bye man. I'm pleasing God. Amen. Paul said it like this in Galatians 1. He said, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. Now, are we on purpose looking to be annoying to people? Absolutely not. If you are, you need to get saved. Because the love of God has been poured out in ours. We're not looking to do stuff to be persecuted about. Peter says it like this. He's like, he's like if you get persecuted because, he doesn't say it like this, but I, this is the Ben Kuska translation. If you get persecuted because you're an idiot, because you do dumb things, because you steal, or because you lie, or because you don't show up at work on time, you, you can't say it's persecution. I got fired from my job. It's probably because I'm a Christian. No, it's because you haven't shown up on time for the last six months. <laughs> no, they, they, the, my light shines too bright. No, you're dumb. You need a slap on your head. Maybe the Lord is calling me into full-time ministry. No, you can't even shake yourself out of bed in the morning. How are you going to shake your nation? But he said, if you suffer persecution for godliness sake, because you shine light, because you're the salt of the world, then take it as a man. Even the ladies here, you can take it like a man. <laughs> it's part of the package. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, I talked about it this morning briefly. He said, there's no one who has left houses and fathers and mothers and lands for my sake, for the gospel, who will not in this life receive 100-fold houses, lands, fathers, mothers, and in the coming life, eternal life. But then he says something in between, right? He says, in this life, houses and lands and fathers and mothers with persecutions. If I say, who wants the 100-fold? Everybody's like, woohoo! <laughs> who wants the 100-fold, including persecution <laughs> but it's the same deal it's like hey you want to come work at this job the pay is this high you get paid a hundred thousand euros a year Woo! but you do have to work 80 hours a week Ooh. There's actually this book called uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I, I think we might have it as RBI2 uh, reading material. For, who's read it? 
or at least parts of it. <laughs> Very depressing book. <laughs> no, it's not depressing actually because it just shows that the gospel, it cannot be quenched. See, if you think about this, it, naturally speaking, if 12 guys or maybe 120 that, you know, the Bible says that 120 saw or 500 saw Jesus alive. There was 120 on the day of Pentecost after his resurrection. If that was not real, and if Jesus never really rose, and they just schemed together and they said, okay, we're going to tell everyone, you know, that he rose from the dead, and we're just going to continue this movement we got. Once people get thrown in prison, once the first person got beheaded, James, one of their lead apostles, once he got beheaded, I will guarantee you, there was a, if it was man-made, there would have been a lot of them like, <laughs> okay, you know, we made this deal, but you know, I feel like maybe I need to move to another country and do something else with my life. But this is not a man-made deal. Every single one of them died for the gospel. They were willing to give their life. Peter, who had denied Christ before the day of Pentecost, before the resurrection, who had denied Christ because he was afraid of a girl. Mensenvrees. Now, the, the, actually, the, the history records say that he got crucified upside down because he, he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified in the same way as his master. He's like, just put me upside down because I can't do it the same way as Jesus did. I'm not worthy of that. There's actually a story in the Middle Ages. They would put people on the brandstapel, right? On the, on the, on the, on the, on the fire. They just burn you at the stake alive. And there was uh, one preacher who got taken... And they, they were going to burn him. And they put him on the thing. And he had told his fellow disciples. He had told them. He's like, if it's, they had asked him, hey, hey, if it's bearable, will you lift a finger so we know that if that day comes for us where we get burned at the stake, then we'll know if the, the grace of God will carry us through, if it's bearable for us. You know what? The guy is there. He's like, I'll, 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 I'll try to lift the finger if I can. And um, he's at the stake. They put him there. Flames start burning. He's actually singing. And he doesn't just lift one finger. He lifts two fingers. Why? Because he is more than enough. <laughs> That's next level. We're like, oh man. I came to be encouraged tonight. He's talking about burning people alive. <laughs> Can you smell the flesh? <laughs> no, these are people who were willing to give their life for what they believed. But somehow, modern church is like, if the, if the service is longer than an hour and 50 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, if you sing more than three songs, if the sermon is more than 25 minutes, people won't come. If those people won't come, we'll go after some people who will get saved and who will get on fire and who will say, I'm going all in for Jesus. I don't have time for lukewarmness. This is the time to be red hot on fire for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I don't know, I'm talking to a group of people who, you know, spend a whole week here. Four or five hour services. It's not... It's not normal in Western Christianity, but it's normal in Christianity. If, you, if we go to China, to the underground church, they'll, they'll be sitting on a cold floor for five, six hours, singing songs, praying, listening to the Word. In some nations, they'll have one page of the Bible. That's all they have. And they're like, they hold that for dear life. 
I'm trying to think if it was Yongi Cho or... No, it was the heavenly man. Who's ever heard of heavenly man? Chinese brother who got saved. Brother Yun. Lives in Frankfurt now, I think. But um, he um, gets saved in China and becomes part of the underground church. But like, they didn't have a Bible, you know, nothing. But the Lord gave him a dream of a person who would have a Bible. So he walks like a whole day by foot. To go to a whole different village to find this person who has a Bible. Knocks at that door. It's like, do you have a Bible? And the person was so afraid. He's like, he thought maybe they were with the like, government, you know, trying to take them and throw them into prison. He's like, I don't have a Bible. He's like, no, the Lord showed me you have a Bible with tears. I need a Bible. I don't have a Bible. I'll get away. So he leaves. Next day he goes again. They have a Bible. And then finally this guy gives him that, that Bible. And I think he gave him like... A few pages or something like that. And he memorized the book of Matthew in the first, I think, three days or something like that. So hungry for the word. Just memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. Then within a week of memorizing the book of Matthew, and I think the first few chapters of the book of Acts, he goes to another town. The Lord shows him to go to a town. He comes to that town. People are like, um, uh, what are you doing here? Oh, I have a, a, somebody gave me parts of a Bible and I wanted to share it with you. They'll bring the whole bunch of people together. He starts preaching, preaching, preaching. Hours, hours, hours. Just like from the word that he put in. Then later, of course, he gets taken into prison and he's just like being completely abused. But just a grace for it. Pastor Ronnie actually spoke to him later when he lived in, when, he, when they met in Canada, I think. And he asked him, and, and Brother Yoon said, it was more bearable to be peed on by the Chinese prison guards than to be, than the Western persecution. Where brothers and sisters were coming against him. He's like, this is weird. He said, that was harder than the persecution from the prison guards who, who didn't know anything about Jesus. He's like, when my own brothers and sisters. If you think about it, Jesus, who did he have a problem with? It wasn't with unbelievers. It was many times with religious people. Paul saw the persecutor here in Acts 8. Zealous for God, but in the wrong way. Sometimes the toughest thing you have is with people who are bound up by religion and hate your freedom that's why Jesus said he said watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees Paul told the Galatians he said who has bewitched you Galatians oh foolish Galatians Galatians 5 you who started in freedom will you now be entangled again with the yoke of bondage they had the freedom of the Holy Spirit but then religious people came and said you have to be circumcised to be part of Christ and all this stuff and they tried to bind them up again that's why we tell people don't just listen to everything you find on YouTube there's a lot of good stuff out there but some stuff you shouldn't listen to because it, number one, it confuses you. Number two, it, if you're not careful, you get bound up again. If you don't pray seven hours a day, you're not a real Christian. 
If you're not careful, it robs you from the joy of your salvation. Jesus, if you look at Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives all these um, words about persecution. Matthew 5 verse 10 through 16. And he also gives us, in a, later in the chapter, he shows us how to respond to persecution. Matthew 5 verse 10, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Okay, persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not persecuted for dumb decisions' sake. Not persecution because, persecuted because you, you, you're rude or mean. That's not persecution. Some people blame the devil for everything. <laughs> he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jesus says it's a blessing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but people say a lot of things about me on, on different channels and stuff like that and I don't ever feel like oh so uh, it's such a blessing that you're so mean to me <laughs> but Jesus said he's teaching us count it as a blessing James said it like this he said in Acts 1 in James 1 he said count it all joy when you fall into various trials it's like hallelujah another trial <laughs> Praise God. This is awesome. <laughs> I was getting a little bored without any trials. <laughs> He's like, count it all joy. Why are you so happy? I got another trial. <laughs> another opportunity to walk in love. <laughs> he said, blessed are you. See, it's actually a blessing. What I've seen is the more you get persecuted, the more the blessing flows. Who wants to walk in the blessing of God? Then get ready to be persecuted a little bit. Ask Joseph. Joseph had a coat of many colors. His father gave it to him. He was so blessed, so loved by his father. But then his half-brothers are like... We don't like this relationship you have with our father. We don't like it that you're so free. We don't like it that you're so happy. We don't like it that we have to do the hard work. And you just get all the blessings. Ooh, we'll get, get ready to get more irritated because I'm the favorite of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, you're God's favorite. You got a coat of many colors. No matter what religious half-brothers think about it. They might throw you in a pit, but they, they you know. Can't stop the blessing. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. It's part of the package, my friends. They're going to say all kinds of evil about you falsely. They're going to make up stories about They're going to make up stories about the church you go to. They're going to make up stories about the people you surround yourself. They're going to make up stuff. They're going to lie. What are you going to do? You're going to defend yourself every time? I had to learn this in Bible school, right after Bible school. It's like somebody was lying about me and, you know, telling my pastors things about me that, you know, I, I don't think were right and stuff. And I could feel it. And then, you know, everybody was telling me, it's like, you got to stand up for yourself. you got to defend yourself. you got to just, you know. 
And I just never felt right about that. I'm just like, oh, just, it's okay. The Lord is my defense. He's my front and my rear guard. Hallelujah. If I'm going to have to defend myself now, then I'm going to spend my whole life fighting for my own reputation. Who cares about my reputation? I'm dead anyways. Hallelujah. I died with Christ. You died with Christ. And the life that you now live, you live in Him. And for His glory. Hallelujah. They persecuted Jesus. The servant isn't greater than the master. If they persecuted the master, they're going to persecute you. If they lied and spoke falsely about the, your master, they're going to speak falsely and, and lie about you. People get all ruffled up by these things. Like, oh my gosh, can you believe this happened? Can you believe they said this about you? They're going to say a lot of other things. Who cares? I'm still happy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody said this about you on Facebook. And then you go on their profile. It's not even a real person. <laughs> they don't have a picture of themselves. It's like a cat or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and they never say anything themselves they only reshare stuff from all these weird pages or on Instagram they said this come you go, you go on their profile they have three followers they have one post they're just there they only have that thing just to irritate people so if you're going to get sucked into that and always be I'm going to tell them Save yourself the years. Don't get high blood pressure over these. <laughs> more blessing for me. Hallelujah. Oh, you're lying. Oh, more blessing. Yeah, but, but it's not true. And I have to tell them it's not true. They're going to lie. And even if you tell them what the truth is, they're still going to lie more. Some people, you can't convert them anyways. It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. So it's another, another diamond in your crown in heaven. They lied about me. Can you pray for me? No, man. You, can you see what? It's just an angel just polishing up your crown. Ooh, another diamond in there. Bam. Hallelujah. The soul winners too. You go on the street. Hey, now I want to tell you God loves. I don't want to hear that. It's like, <laughs> don't walk like this. It's like, no, hold your head up high. Hallelujah. Jesus said it too. He said, they persecuted the prophets before you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then he goes on. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? In other words, just because they pressure you to give up, whatever the devil doesn't want you to do, you do it twice as hard. Oh, you got to put a mask on. You have to shut up. I'm going to sing even louder. You can have a talk, but don't preach because you spit too much when you preach. I'm going to preach! You can, you can pray for people, but from a distance. I'm going to lay hands on people and everything that moves.
See, but a lot of people went in that other flow of just, oh, we got to back down. If the salt loses its flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? See, people, the, the, the salt is there to preserve the world. But that, that, that preservation value, that, 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 that bothers people. It's like, oh, no, it's too salty. Can't you tone it down a little bit? Can you make it a little bit sweeter? No, some stuff is just salty. Light exposes darkness. Let's hide it a little bit so we can accept them and then maybe slowly bring them into the light. I'm just going to... Ik ga de vuurtoren gewoon aanzetten. Hallelujah. The spotlight's on. We're going to say it the way it is. We're going to preach it from the mountaintops, from the rooftop. We're going to tell the whole world that Jesus is alive. He is the only way. There is no other way. Yeah, but what, people, what if people don't like it? We can't compromise, my friends. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. Lamp stand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Many people, can, their light shines in the secret place. But Jesus said, let it shine before men. Some people say, well, you have your truth, I have my truth. You keep your truth to yourself, I keep my truth to, your, to myself. You know, that's your religion. You keep your religion to yourself. It's against our religion to keep our religion to ourselves. We have to shine that light. One day we give an account. We're convinced of the reality of heaven and hell. And we have the answer and his name is Jesus. How can we be quiet? The thing is, most of us, we're not confrontational people. I'm actually a very unconfrontational person. I don't like confrontation. I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm a peacemaker. I want to have, I want to be friends with everybody. <laughs> Unless it's when the anointing comes upon me, then I start. <laughs> but me naturally, I'm just like, I'm very chill. I'm like, okay, I just want to, I want to just, everything's okay. We're friends. Um, but the thing is, you can't, we can't, we can't compromise what we believe in order to be acceptable to the world. See, the world is this tolerance gospel they're preaching and you're supposed to be tolerant about everything except for the things that you believe then there's all suddenly no tolerance then it's suddenly hate <laughs> it's like okay we, we we feel everyone should be what they want to be everyone should do what they want to do and everyone should believe what they want to believe and everyone should just act the way they want to act okay i want to act like a holy person i want to believe what i believe from the word i believe the word is true oh no that's hate speech Oh, what happened to the tolerance all of a sudden? It's like, okay, well, we compromise a little bit to, 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 to be acceptable to the world. No, we can't water down the truth to win a world that is so lost. They don't even know what's the front and what's the back. They don't know where they're headed.
And that's why I'm so thankful for all the soul winners here. Because you don't keep it inside the four walls. We're taking it to the streets. Shining that light before men. How do you respond to persecution? Jesus said in Matthew 5 down to verse 43. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the just. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the tax collectors do so also? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Where does that perfection come from? It comes from the love walk. And the love walk is not, is not clicky. It doesn't pick and choose. Okay, I love you. But I'm not cool with you because you have their different color or you have a different culture or your different background. And you, you think that, that that's not a thing in church, but there's so many, this is a very multicultural church, but there's so many where it's just, we're a white church. And it's like, okay, you're a little different. I don't know if you're welcoming. Or we're a Suriname church or an African church. And we're just that, we just have our culture here. But that's not the kingdom, my friends. The kingdom is kingdom culture. It's everyone. Every tribe, every tongue, every background, every race, every color, every language. It's all coming. It's all blending together in the body of Christ. And this is not a clicky place. This is not like, okay, I like you because you're from the same place. Or I like you because you're from the same race. Or I like you because you're from the same background. Or I like you because you're from the same social status. No, we, I like everybody. Hallelujah. We have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. To love the church first and then love the world after that. Hallelujah. But it's, it's, it's learned and developed in the body, in the church. This is where we practice these things. And for some people, it's like, oh, I'm new with all these different cultures. Well, get used to it. Heaven's going to be very multicultural. <laughs> Don't have like a white street. <laughs> Congolese Street. Altijd ja straatje zo, extra luider, Candela. Blanke straat is super stil, weet je zo. Cricket, cricket. It's ble- it's all together, man. It's the beauty of the body. And I'm not talking about these people or your enemies. Jesus said, bless your enemies. But, but, but if we, that's the next step. But if we can't even love the body, how are we going to love outside? If we can't even love people that we're a little uncomfortable with, but they're of the same spirit, how can we love, genuinely love people outside? That they feel that love. That they can see that love. That they're like, man, this is different. This is not just words. I want to grow in that. 
Bless those who persecute you. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Just be honest. I still feel like calling a few of my half-saved brothers here and sending them to that address. <laughs> I made a plan one time. <laughs> When we were getting persecuted in Eiberg, there's this one gentleman who, um, who was really stirring up the whole street against us. And like my wife was getting yelled at in the grocery store. People were screaming at us. And we, uh, Pastor David got his tire sliced, you know, his car keyed. It was crazy. But um, we, had, we, had one, we had a few times that somebody showed up in a total rage and, and tell us we're going to bomb this place. And... And, and watch out for your kids because we're going to hurt them. Like, it was nuts. It's, that's not normal, rational. And it's all these, like, you know, middenklasse, Hollandse, gewoon hele normale mensen met gewoon normale 9 tot 5 job, weet je wel. En zo, I'm going to burn this place down! You need a hug? Your mom never loved you, you know? What's wrong with you? That's not, that's not normal. That is supernatural persecution. You know you're talking to a demon when stuff like that's happening. Anyway, this, there was this one guy who was really bothering me. And, and I have three brothers. And back in the day, <laughs> before Jesus, we got in a few fights. And I texted them. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this guy. I know where he lives. <laughs> we... We seriously made a plan. <laughs> I was already on Amazon buying Bivak Mütze and baseball bats. <laughs> I was doing it. <laughs> and my brothers, they were all in, at least some of them. I won't, I won't tell you which ones. <laughs> Let's go. It's on like Donkey Kong. But then, after like half an hour of daydreaming, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is the right move. <laughs> Pastor shows up at a house with baseball bat and beef mitts. <laughs> They're not going to know. They're going to know. <laughs> How can they know? <laughs> they already know. <laughs> so I repented, my friends. I repent. I repented. I was like, okay, this is not, this is not the Jesus flow. <laughs> this is the old nature. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. We're going to forgive. Actually, later, I showed up and this same gentleman, he's screaming at me. Screaming at my wife and kids from across the street. And I walked over. And my wife and kids went inside. I walked over across the street and I wanted to punch him. So everything in me wanted to punch him. But as I was walking across the street, I was going to tell him the truth. I wasn't going to punch him, but I was going to really, really give him my two cents. You know, like. But as I'm walking across the street, this love and this grace came over me. Hallelujah. And I stood in front of him and he's still screaming at me, screaming at me, screaming, cussing me out. And it was just like, phew. It didn't hit me. It's just like, I'm just kind of like. 
And it wasn't me, I promise you, because... <laughs> but then I, when he was finally done screaming, he, he could tell it wasn't Len. I just said, sir, I just want you to know we're praying for you. We love you. And Jesus loves you too. And I don't want you to die from this rage and stuff like that. You, you, we're praying for your health. You know what? He kind of just like didn't know what to do himself. And I drove gewoon a beetje af. So he just kind of walked off. Never heard from that guy again. Never had a problem again. And I really pray for him. That's what Jesus... And I'm not a... I'm just like... This sound like I'm an expert now, you know? <laughs> there was one time. <laughs> but the flesh always wants to rise up. The flesh wants to tell... I'm going to give you my peace of mind. We always say, watch out, you might give your last peace of mind away. Yeah. You're just like, you don't always have to defend yourself. You don't always have to fight for your reputation. You don't always have to tell people exactly what you did. You can just kind of like water off a duck's back. Yeah. Let it run off of you. Yeah, yeah but I'm not going to be a doormat. No, but you can be like Christ. The lion and the lamb. Some people have an overdeveloped lion, but no lamb. <laughs> other people the other way around. And you'll know which category you're in. Some people, it's okay, you stand up for yourself a bit. It's gonna be okay, bro. Have some water. <laughs> Some people, you, you got to learn to stand up for yourself. you got to learn. I'm greater is he that's in me than he that's in me. I'm not going to be intimidated by that Goliath anymore. But for others, it's Ephesians 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Where you're, all, you're wrestling, always wrestling with people. And that's why you're always in unrest. That's why you never have peace of mind. That's why you're always stressed out. That's why everything's a mess. Because you're just always fighting with people. People are not your problem. you got to love people. You're like, well, you don't know who I'm surrounded with. You can still love them. Look at Romans 12. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying myself tonight. <laughs> is that a good laugh or what is that? <laughs> uh, Romans 12, verse 9. These, these are verses you can... You can, you can you could read every week, especially if you work a secular job and surrounded with people that just misbehave. All, this, all the church staff is laughing really hard right now. Hey, watch it. <laughs> Romans 12 verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. That's, that's very important. It's not like, a, I love you, brother, and then go around. It's like, did you see Andrew? My gosh, this guy. That's not love. Sorry for picking on you. <laughs> you can handle it. You're tough. <laughs> that's, that's hypocrite love. Where we have one way in church and another way behind closed doors. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is being two-faced. That was actually the leaven of the Pharisees that Jesus warned for. He said, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees because it's hypocrisy. It's these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's one way here, another way there. 
The opposite is, is integrity. Integrity means wholeness. It means being, being without other additions. It's one. God hates mixture. A little bit of love and a little bit of just gossip. A little bit of love and a little bit of jealousy. A little bit of love and a little bit of uh, bitterness. Integrity is wholeness. Just, just one. Just one thing. And even if it's ugly, you, just, you don't hide it. You just show it. Not so like, eh, this is my ugly part and everybody's got to deal with my ugly part. But it's like, Lord, this is ugly in my life. You fix it, Lord. I surrender it to you. You don't have to mask it up for the Lord. He already knows what's happening anyway. Big brother's watching. Some people think, you know, when they come into church that, or when they pray, that's when God is watching. But the rest of the day, he's just, you know, busy with other things. <laughs> oh, he's like. The Bible says he guides us with his eye upon us. Psalm 139, is it? He's like, he, he knows my lying down. He knows my rising up. He knows my coming in. He knows my going out. He knows every single thought in my head. Nothing's hidden from him. Nothing. That's not to scare, but it's like, okay, he already knows everything anyway. I don't have to, it could be more of what to do, not what it is. It is what it is. But I can run to him and let him fix what is broken, fix what is ugly, and make it beautiful. Amen. What we talked about this morning, anschau him, you become like him. Amen. Behold him, you become like him. Yeah. Okay, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. In another translation it says, hate what is evil. Some people, they still deal with certain things, sin, addictions, because they actually don't really hate it. They kind of like it. Like, oh, can you pray for me? I'm stuck with this. Until you start hating it, I'm not going to pray for you. Because I'm wasting my time. I might, as well, I might as well, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, I wonder what you are. That, that might as well be the prayer. Because a prayer doesn't do anything if you still cling to it. If you still love it. If you still hold on to it. But he says, hate what is evil. That's actually the fear of God. Is to hate what is evil. And to love what is good. You say, well, well I thought we were supposed to love. And I don't, I don't think we're supposed to hate. We're supposed to hate what is evil. Have a, have a disgust to it. Have a, I want a nothing to do with it. I love people who might be doing evil things. But I hate the thing they do. That's how God is. God loves people. But he doesn't approve of everything they do. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. This is speaking about church. Kindly affectionate. Vriendelijkheid. Uw vriendelijkheid zijn bij alle mensen bekend, zegt de Bible. Kindness. Brotherly affectionate. That means tenderheartedness. You know the true mature men and women of God, the generals, they always have this tenderheartedness about them. Even the most bold ones, the most, most ones with, with carry authority like crazy, but they have this tenderheartedness. That's a beautiful thing. Jesus, he's tenderhearted. Soft-hearted towards people. Something I, I, I'm learning pastoring. As a, it's just like, man, there's so much grace. We're, we, it's so easy to be like one of those Pharisees that are ready with the stones to, 
to, to find somebody, to find out if somebody, when somebody has done something wrong, pick up stones, ready to stone. But Jesus said, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. That's tender hearted. And it doesn't mean that we just kind of like, we forget about everything and we just let everything slide. But, but, but it does mean that there's, there's several chances. There's opportunities. Go and sin no more. There, there, is, there is that clear directive. It's like, okay, here's another shot. But don't mess it up. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Most people are self-seeking. They give preference to themselves. But this love, it gives preference to someone else. It's like, man, I appreciate you. I have eye for you. I see you. I value you. You are important. You are great. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly, steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We had a one time that we got kicked out of a, a building. We had a, a school we were renting. And we were going to be there for a little while. For at least a year or two. But then after three months they kicked us out. A rise and shine 2019. We showed up on a Friday night. The team showed up to set up. And <clears throat> the teachers of that school, high school teachers, they're having a party. They're all drinking in the school. I don't even know if that's legal. Anyway, um, they're all drinking. And there's a guy, one of the teachers, Pastor David, had waited outside with the team. Just, okay, let's wait. They'll probably leave soon. We were supposed to get in at 6 to set up. 6.30 comes. Still no, no, no door open. He calls me. I'm like, just go in and ask if we can go in and set up. And he walks in to ask somebody if that we can set up. And a teacher turns to him with bloodshot red eyes from the alcohol. And is like, you guys are a sect. And I'll make sure you never get in here again. And I laughed about it because it's like, okay, we have a deal, you know, with the guy running the school and stuff. He can't kick us out. He's just a teacher, you know. But then, um, sure enough, they kicked us out. And they gave us like a two-week notice. Now we have two weeks to find another building. Ridiculous. So we could have fought it and we could have gone against it, but it's like whatever. So I was very mad. But you know what? The Lord said, just go bless them. Bless the teachers. So I bought all these cakes, real nice, expensive cakes, and I brought them to the teachers in the lunch break. And I was like, hey, from the river, we just want to say thank you for the three months, only three months that we had it. So good. I wanted to poison the cakes, but. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put a laxative inside, but <laughs> resist, resisted the urge. <laughs> Here's some cake. Enjoy. <laughs> Hope you have enough toilet paper. <laughs> put laxative in it and then go to all the toilets. Take all the toilet paper out. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Be blessed. <laughs> These things have crossed my mind. I never acted upon it. <laughs> <laughs> no, an actual cake, a good cake. I don't think they probably ate it. They probably were suspicious. I don't think I would have eaten it. It's like some kind of voodoo over this cake or something. I don't know. But, but I was like, I just got to make sure my own heart is protected. The Bible says it, right? Guard your own heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. I want to have life flowing out of me. Not bitterness. 
Not offense. I don't want to be here in 2024 and talk about, you know, that one time we were really growing, but that school kicked us out and now we're stuck. No, but that's how a lot of people get stuck. One thing that somebody does is like, eh, and 10 years later, it's still, eh, get over it. Forgive, release. And the best way to get over it is to start blessing. With your words, you know, in prayer. But then if that, that's not enough, then go, you know, it's like, I just wanted to bless you. Here's money for to go on a restaurant or here's a cake that doesn't have laxative in it. <laughs> bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. <laughs> bless, I'll read that again. Bless and do not curse. So people curse a lot. It's like, you bleep, 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 bleep. No, bless. God zegen. Ik hou van jou. Met de liefde van de Heer. Alles in me wil je slaan, maar ik hou van je. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Wees niet eigenwijs. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as it depends on you. For zover het van jou afhangt. Wat jij eraan kan doen, zorg ervoor dat je in de vrede wandelt. If it's out of your realm of responsibility and you've done everything you can, then, then okay. But as far as it's up to you, as far as it depends on you, you do your best to live peaceably with all men. You don't hit back, basically. You don't strike back with your words. It's like, okay. And maybe next month we'll talk about that some more in the home. Because <laughs> we can practice a lot in the house. With the people who are closest to us, it's sometimes the hardest, right? And then he says this, Blessed, or, or beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Don't put a Captain America suit on and become an avenger. Don't avenge yourselves. Oefen zelf geen vragen. I'm going to get them. I'm going to buy a bivak muts and a, and a hongbok and I'm going to take care of business. Don't avenge yourselves. Why? But rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Buy him a cake. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And me, meaning, at a certain point, that bezwijk is on. They can't handle the heat anymore. It's like, okay, enough. I know I'm a jerk, but you keep being kind. What is it with you? Yeah. you no, know, it's the love of God. That's it. Yeah. And He loves you. Mm. I can't handle Him. Pray for me. I need prayer. Mm. You know, that's what's going to happen. That's what sets us apart. Jesus said it. He said, by this people will know you're my disciples. Because you have love amongst each other. True love. Not fake love. Not hip, 
hypocrite love, but true, actual love, like in action. Love that forgives, love that doesn't avenge, but it says, leave room for wrath. In other words, God says, if it's really an enemy, just watch me work. <laughs> it's a fearful thing to, ro- to fall in the hands of an angry God. You don't want to cross God. Ask King Herod. Herod put James in prison and beheaded him. He saw that it pleased the people, so now he put Peter in prison. Wanted to kill him too. An angel breaks Peter out. The church is praying for Peter, but guess what? Next time you hear about Herod, he sits on the throne, people start praising him, and an angel strikes him, and he's eaten up by worms. Hey. No, but if we talk about great grace, great glory, you can also talk about great displays of of power like that. Where the fear of God will come upon the world. Because you 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 can mark my words. With persecution, you'll see God defend his church like crazy. Because he loves his church. And I can promise you, he's going to defend his bride. He's going to defend his children. You can't cross. See, for me, you can slap me. But if you touch my wife, you're going to have a real problem. I'll ask for forgiveness later. If you touch my kids. Woo. But it's the same with God. He's slow to get angry. Quick to forgive. But with Herod, it was like, hey, that's enough. Even with Elamas, you know, the, 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 the sorcerer. He was resisting Paul's preaching. Paul was preaching to a high leader in the nation that he was preaching in. But there was this sorcerer guy and he was resisting every word that Paul said. And Paul said, you foul thing, you're going to be blind for a season. Boom! You're like, oh, I thought we're supposed to heal people. Yeah, but when you're dealing with the devil, it's a different story. And I'm not encouraging anyone to go around. I'm going to strike you blind and you too. That's why these things go hand in hand with great grace and great glory. That that the church goes to such a level in humility and in love and in, in purity that it can be trusted with these kinds of things. So in persecution, it might look for a moment as if there's defeat in the church. Because when Stephen gets killed, that's a prominent leader in the church that gets killed. It's like, man, that looks like defeat. But there was no way in any defeat. It actually caused the gospel to spread like crazy. You know, Stephen went straight up to glory. It was a promotion for Stephen. But the result of it was, is that the gospel started spreading to regions that weren't reached yet. And, and, you know, we read about Philip going to Samaria and, you know, to bring the life back into this meeting. We we stopped talking about persecution. Let's talk about the joy. (laughs) Because great persecution resulted in, uh, you know, a great spreading of the gospel. Everybody running around, spread everywhere, preaching the gospel in all these far regions and then uh, Philip preached in Samaria and the Bible says that there was great joy in that city 
Hallelujah. Signs and wonders being done, great power. You know, people heeding the gospel, giving their lives to Jesus, going from darkness to light, and there was great joy in that city. So I believe one of the great signs of revival is great joy. Hallelujah. And even when we talk about persecution, great persecution, you can have great joy in the midst of great persecution. Joy is a normal, should be a normal sign that someone is saved. David said in the Psalms, he said, Psalm 51 verse 12, he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. So salvation comes with joy. When somebody gets born again, it's like, man, I remember getting born again and it's like, man, everything has life. Everything has color. It's like as if I, I, my whole life I watched black and white television and now it's full color, 4K, HD, ultra HD. Everything's taken on a new dimension. I'm alive. I remember driving the car. It's like, whoa, this is awesome. I'm alive. Jesus said, who drink from the water that I will give him, that water will become in him a well of living water springing up to everlasting life. Joy, life, victory, freedom, peace that surpasses all understanding. It's just like the nature of God all bottled up on the inside of you, bursting at the seams. But many people on the way as they progress with the Lord, they, they lose that joy. They become stale and dry and starchy. And, you know, many times because of, you know, religion, putting things out on the outside, trying to shove people into some, uh, you know, shape that they don't fit in. You got to keep your joy. We all got to keep our joy. Without joy, you, don't want, you won't make it in this day, in this hour, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Without joy, you don't have strength. And it doesn't mean you have to wake up rolling on the floor every morning. <laughs> but it means you have this thing on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is with me. I will rejoice and be glad in this day because this is the day the Lord has made. Hallelujah. It's a good day. You wake up with an expectation. You don't wake up with like, oh, I hate my life. I hate the people around me. I hate my job. Pastor Ben said to hate what is evil and I hate everything around me. <laughs> My life sucks. <laughs> no, even when everything around you is all dark or gloomy or stormy or whatever, inside you can have joy inside you got the victory inside you're more than a conqueror inside you're walking in the peace of God inside you're just bursting out with life especially when the pressure is on because when the pressure is on when you get squeezed what comes out see when, the, when there's pressure then what comes out for, for, for some it's sour vinegar but I believe that God wants to get the new wine out of us. Hallelujah. The oil of gladness coming out of us. Oh, when the devil pushes all the buttons, it's just like, ha, ah, hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Thank you, Lord. This is the day you have made. When, when, when somebody 
says something about you or the family texts something about you on the family app, you're just like, oh, praise God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm worthy to, to, be, to be counted worthy of, of these lies being spoken about me. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm just going to take another drink. I'm going to go, ha, 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 hallelujah. The Bible talks about the new wine. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Jesus said, or, then they said to him, to Jesus, why did the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Luke 5 verse 33. And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days, which is the days we're living in now. That's why we fast. But then he spoke a parable to them and he said, no one puts a piece from a garment on an from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new for he says the old is better. Now, this is related to fasting, you know, but it's really related to the wider scope of religion, you know, tradition, or, you know, the old covenant versus the new covenant. The law of Moses, which was outward, which was called, written on stone, versus the new covenant, which is written on our hearts. It's inward. It says, those who have had the old, they don't want the new. They're like, no, no, the old is better. This new is a little too crazy. It's a little bit too, you know, free. It's a little, you can't control it. You just kind of, you're like, I don't know. I want to box it in. But the new wine, when it's poured into old wineskins, the old wineskin bursts. That's why even people who have grown up in church, they have to come and like, I need a new wineskin. I don't know, no, no, I, can't, I can't live in that old anymore. I want the new. That's why when, on that Wednesday live stream, the Lord had me speak a few words of prophecy. But where the Lord said, in every denomination, I'm going to raise up new wineskins. I'm raising up new wineskins in every denomination. In, in, no matter in whatever denomination people might be in. In every denomination. Even denominations that people would look at and would have written off. But he, the Lord said, no, I'm going to raise up. I've got new wineskins I'm raising up in all these places. New wineskins in the Gevermeerde Kerk. New wineskins in the Catholic Church. New wineskins in the Lutheran Church. New wineskins in the Baptist Church. New wineskins in the Pentecostal Church. New wineskins in the Evangelische Kerk. In new wineskins in every realm. New wine. New wineskins that can contain new wine. Not the old, not the vinegar of religion, but the new wine of the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, hallelujah. When they looked at the disciples receiving that new wine, they said, these people look drunk. But, but Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose. They're not drunk on the old wine. They're not drunk on natural wine. They are filled with the Spirit. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That I shall pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Oh, hallelujah. That's what God is doing on all who would receive. But you need a new wineskin. Hallelujah. The old can't contain it. It's only the new. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Fresh grapes squeezed from the vineyards of heaven. Filling us up to the top. In Ephesians 5, he says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is excess, is losbandigheid, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Don't become dry. Don't become thirst. Be filled with the Spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for that new wine. Thank God we can drink it from it every day. Thank God we don't have to walk around dry or bound up. We can be free, free in the Holy Ghost. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And there will be a lot of people that will try to bind you up again. But Jesus sets you free. Sets you free to shout. Sets you free to pray. Sets you free to win souls. Sets you free to praise with your hands lifted high. Sets you free to be who God called you to be. You don't have to fit into some form, in some shape that people want you in. You can be everything God called you to be. Hallelujah. See, when Jesus stood by the grave of Lazarus in John chapter 11, he stood outside the grave and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus had died four days before and Lazarus was bound up with grave clothes but the dead man came alive again and he bounced out of that grave and he was alive again but he was all bound up and Jesus said loose him and let him go and so is it is so it is with what we do here day by day Oh, hallelujah, where we bring people out of, out of the grave of, of, of sin, out of the grave of the enemy, and they come alive again through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But some people, they come, and they're all bound up. They're bound up with what people have told them. They're bound up with what religion has told them. They're bound up with what tradition has told them. They're bound up with the grave clothes of their denomination. But Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Be loosed and go. Run with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Raise up to be everything God's called you to be. But you can't do it without the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. What are you drinking? What are you drinking on a Monday? What are you drinking on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday? I encourage you to drink of that new wine. I encourage you to come into the presence of the Almighty God and to lift your hands and to begin to praise and to begin to thank and to begin to shout and to do a little dance and to say thank you, Jesus, and to let the river of new life flow out of you, the river of tongues, and just begin to speak and to sing in a heavenly language and to just be filled up. Oh, hallelujah. Thanks for listening to today's message. To be notified of new episodes, just hit the subscribe button. And to connect with Ben on social media, you can find him at Ben Kruska on Instagram and Facebook.